Hello and welcome back to OT and Chill, all things occupational therapy with me, Kwaku. COVID has affected all of us in all different ways, but some people continue to experience the difficulties associated with the symptoms of COVID, long COVID. On this episode today, I'm speaking to Helen Skiffington, an occupational therapist who continues to experience the effects of COVID. She shares how it's affected the activities of daily living, how it's affected her ability to fully do the work that she wants to do. And if you experience any of the symptoms that she describes, or if you've had COVID and you're just not sure what's happening with you now, please, please, please seek medical advice. So let's get right into it. Hello, Helen. How are you doing today? Yeah, hi. I'm I'm doing okay. I was just, you know, thinking I had the second dose of the vaccine the other day, so it's a bit a bit up and down, which is a common theme, I think, in long COVID, which we'll get into. Yeah. But yeah, I'm okay. Good, good. Thank you so much for coming on here to, you know, talk about your experiences. I know it's uh, everyone's experiences with COVID is very, very different. As, as we, we're aware, some people have a really like severe and eventual death, which is um, a shame. Some people have it really mild and some people have it and don't even know that they've got it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. everyone's is completely different. Yeah. So I'm, uh, we'll be hopefully talk about your experiences and how you have you managed to manage it right now. But just to begin with, you know, you're an occupational therapist. I'm an mm-hmm. occupational therapist. I always ask this question to everybody that comes on. What were you doing now? What's your current role and how do you manage to find yourself into it? Okay, so I am currently an OT working in neuro rehab, just sort of in London. And I got into OT... I sort of just fell into OT, which I think people just do. <laughs> I think um, a lot of people say that when they come in. We just all of a sudden we just fell in, I tripped and yeah. fell into it. <laughs> yeah. So when I first left school, I didn't really know what to do. And I just sort of just, I decided to do psychology at uni because I liked it. But then when I graduated, I wasn't quite, again, sure what to do with that. So I did some, I got a, like a bank admin job at a hospital and then um, volunteered with a clinical psychologist there and thought about clinical psychology for a bit, but it's so difficult to get into. But through her, I met the OTs who were doing really nice stuff. They were doing like activity things on the ward with patients that are there for a long time. And I just thought, oh, actually, like, I think this is a bit of me. And um, yeah, that's how I, and then I decided that's what I wanted to do. So yeah, and then the rest is history, I guess. So how long have you been an occupational therapist for? How long have I, that is coming up to three years, Okay. I think, yeah. 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 And, and you're still enjoying it? Yes. And that's a lie. It's coming up to four years. Sorry, that's my that's my brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, I was just talking before we started recording. I was saying like I, I came across you again on social media. Social media is mm-hmm. a fantastic place <laughs> to, to yeah. meet people and also find out a lot of information. Sometimes it's probably too much information, but, yeah. um, but it's a good place to find out information. And then, yeah, you were talking about your experiences with, with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, COVID has had an impact on everybody's life. It's been really, it's really been very difficult last year. Um, how were you affected by COVID initially, and mm-hmm. and how did it how did it then develop um, from then? So I first had COVID last March. So I had my COVID anniversary earlier on this week. So I was two weeks into my new job in neuro rehab same trust so I still like new people and stuff but a different hospital site and I was just home it was weekend it was a Sunday and I'd been like doing stuff at home like I've been clearing out my room and stuff like that and then when it got to the as the day went on I just suddenly got really really 
tired and I remember thinking like I don't know if I can put all this stuff away now like I'm so tired and then I got a temperature and then yeah achy things like that so then it was March so there weren't any the testing and stuff hadn't started but I had all the symptoms obviously I didn't didn't go to work um, and that lasted for about two weeks like I just had a temperature on and off so it got to the point where I thought oh I can go back to work but then the temperature started again so I couldn't but then as soon as the temperature stopped I just went back to work because at the time that was like the rule sort of you you know once you don't have a temperature and you're feeling well enough to go back you can go back mm. I remember thinking like am I ready to go back I wasn't wasn't quite sure but then I sort of felt you know, this is peak first wave pandemic. Like you want to go back, you want to do your bit, you want to help your team. Um, during the time I was off sick, the unit that I worked at closed. So I was redeployed. Luckily I was redeployed back to the ward that I had just left a couple of weeks before. But I remember going to work that morning and then getting changed. And I remember just feeling absolutely exhausted. And I remember thinking like, oh no, like I don't think I should have come back. But then I also just thought, oh well like I'll, I'll just stay and I just thought you know when, whenever you're off sick your first day back is always a bit tiring and everything so I sort of just ignored it and then I managed like a few weeks after that like I was managing it was okay but then things just seemed to get worse and worse like I'd feel lightheaded all the time like literally every time every time I moved like my heart I'd get loads of palpitations like my heart racing I'd be really really tired and yeah I just I just didn't I just didn't feel right I guess but then I thought of I just thought you know we were on a you know, pandemic everyone's stressed everyone's yeah, tired yeah you know we we're on a you know seven day rotor we're working in different ways like I just thought it was all of that and I sort of thought you know no one seems to be noticing that I literally feel like I'm about to faint like <laughs> a lot um so it can't be that bad do you know what I mean so yeah. and I think I didn't want to sound like I was like I thought I just lost the plot a bit and just yeah I didn't really think anything of it um so I just kept pushing and I just kept kept going to work kept pushing through it I didn't really tell anyone either um for a while until it obviously got to a point that I just couldn't cover it up anymore because my heart rate was just crazy um and then one day they did my and during this time I'd been speaking to my GP as well my GP was sort of you know, it's sinusitis, um, it's hay fever, things like that. Mm. Um, and then one day they did my office on the ward and my blood pressure was really, really high. So the consultant sent me home and he was the first person that said like, oh, like maybe this is an after effect of COVID. Because by this point as well, we'd all had our antibody tests and mine had come back positive, mm. which I've actually been really grateful for because quite a few people with long COVID haven't had that. So, you know, who, so they really struggle to say, look, you know, I had it because there was no testing, there was no anything. You were encouraged to stay at home and treat it yourself. So yeah, so then I was off sick for two weeks and then, then I went back to work. But in hindsight, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> I suppose I think... it's really difficult because, uh, you know, like during the pandemic and you working in mm -hmm. the acute hospital, was it an yeah. acute hospital, yeah? Yeah, so I was acute, yeah. Yeah, so you're thinking, you, I'm seeing all my colleagues, you know, working yeah. hard, we're really trying to help. And you feel that sense of pressure to, you know, just be a team member, <laughs> you know, yeah. not, to, not to let your team down. So it, 
if you feel a little bit better or you feel like you mm-hmm. can go to work even though you might have deep down <laughs> well actually maybe i should just say yeah. you, just, you just need to do your you just, bit you just need exactly. to do your bit yeah yeah so i think it was that pressure and then with rest like when i which all, it all makes sense now for what like, i've been diagnosed with and stuff which i'll get to later but when i sit down and don't do anything yeah i feel i feel fine so then it's like, okay i'm ready to go back to work but working in acute yeah on an acute stroke ward in the middle of a pandemic is a bit different to just sitting down not doing anything and i think i just yeah i just wanted to keep doing it and then on social media that's how i found like the long COVID support group and found out that actually like this was a thing like and there were lots of people like me and I, I wasn't I wasn't crazy and it's not just me. So by that time, when I went back, I spoke to Oki Health, who suggested I did like lighter duties. Mm. Um, so I was meant to be like 40% clinical, 60% non-clinical, um, which I tried to do. But again, that's very... <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard when, when you're so used to doing something and, and, it's, and then you have to take a step back because you maybe you feel like you can do it mm-hmm. and someone's raining and <laughs> raining you and you just want to go it yeah. must be really frustrating I want to ask you know so you had those that two you had the actual COVID at, at the time oh, yeah. Um, yeah. and then you had the time off and then you mm-hmm. went back to work and then you had the time off again and then you had to go back on lighter duties mm-hmm. did, how, did this have all this have an impact on your mental well-being at all uh, did mm. you feel like did you feel any way and how did you manage that period of time yeah I think it has had an effect on my mental well-being but I don't think at that point in July I don't think I recognized that it was because I think a lot of it has been to do with I guess like acceptance and stuff like accepting that this is happening accepting that I can't do all of the things that I want to do so then so I did when I went back to work on the lighter duties I managed that till about November and then during that time I went back to my actual job so I sent back my unit reopened in yeah. September so I was there and I managed it until about November but then I crashed again um, then I was off for three weeks and then I went back on a phased return which I'm still doing now so I'm still so really I haven't worked in my full capacity since since July last year mm-hmm. which for me is like is huge so I think it was only in December that I sort of accepted what was happening and I think that was because I got referred to a respiratory consultant and I spoke to him and I actually I referred myself for like counseling basically because it's just a lot to (laughs) to process I guess and I think with me it's just yeah it's been acceptance and it's been just the frustration of not being able to do what I want to do and not be the OT that I want to be, especially yeah. when I literally just got my, so this neuro rehab job is something that I've wanted for ages and I finally got it and now I can't do it. Like that just like, what the hell? Like, yeah. um, literally, literally what the hell? Like, you yeah. work so hard from yeah. qualifying and studying and everything. Mm-hmm. And then you got this idea, you want to do this type of job and then you, you, you're there. Yeah. but then you can't do it and exactly. it, you know it's one of those things we talk about goals with in general when we talk about mm-hmm. patient therapy we, we talk about people wanting to meet their goals or set goals for yourself and you want to meet it and yeah you set that goal to be mm-hmm. <laughs> in your and you you got there <laughs> you yeah. can't do it so what do and you now, do with that space yeah yeah what, what do i do now and you know like even like at the moment i'm still having ongoing discussions with work about the future and things like that because obviously i mean I've, again i've been really lucky they 
been supporting my faith return because again not everyone has had that um, support but you know they're not going to be able to do it forever so I might have to reduce my hours and things like that and stuff but I you know I don't I don't I don't want to do that mm. so yeah it's it's been a lot and I guess trying to deal with all this weird stuff that's happening to you and you're feeling and then also not having anything to go on like any information really apart from the other people experiencing it too mm. but I'm the type of person like I like to I like to know the information like if I got told I had something I would look up everything about it and then I'd understand it but I've got the problem like I can't I can't do that because there's nothing it's new so no one can tell me you know is it going to go on forever or is it like just a short thing what do I need to do and it's sort of just like trial and error really it's so strange because you know like have you heard of the white coat syndrome? When, yeah. When, you know, basically, we, we present ourselves to the doctor. Doctor, I've got a headache. Yeah. The doctor goes, here you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're experiencing yourself, it's very difficult. And then I'm thinking back to my previous episode with Victoria, where we talked about being your own OT and how mm-hmm. it's so difficult to accept some of those yeah. things that we tell people. Mm-hmm. I, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing as individuals when you know something, when you've learned about it, when you've know, but probably everything to do with the profession, exactly. but you can still can't do it yourself. And yeah. I, wonder, I just, I really wonder why, why that is sometimes. And that has been huge for me because I'm an OT, pacing, energy conservation, everything. <laughs> you know, it's my, it's our bread and butter. Talk about That's it all day. Yeah. I can tell everyone what to do, but trying to do it myself, I'm terrible at it. And mm. then it's like, oh, so then if I can't do it myself, then I'm just a terrible, I'm a terrible OT because I can't do it. And it's really hard. And even like when my colleagues have been off sick with COVID, like I'll message them and I'll be like, you know, don't, don't come back until you're fully ready, blah, blah. And it's like, why can I tell all these people what to do? But I can't do it myself. Like, I just don't, I don't understand what that battle is. But I think it's also, I've learned a lot from that because yeah, we talk about pacing all the time. It is so hard to actually pace. Like I never knew how difficult it is. And especially like, how can you like working and pacing to be honest, I think it's just impossible. I've decided that it is just impossible. But everything, just it's so hard. It is it's really, really hard. So, And I think that's something that I will take with that when I am telling patients to pace and things like that is actually, it don't just, oh, you just need to pace yourself. Like, what does that mean? That mean? <laughs> no, I think that's really true. When, you, when you've experienced something, it really adds to your own mm. experience of practice or yeah. the advice that you can give to people mm. or how you encourage people to do some of the things that you're saying from a field theoretical sorry uh, a, a way of thinking because you know yeah. we, we know how this works we know there's a lot of research to mm-hmm. say that patient patient is really good but like you said when you're actually doing it yourself yeah. it's, it's a very difficult thing to do so you're talking about wanting to know loads of information and everything mm. out there um, as, as the type of person that you are. Is there a definition for what long COVID is or is there like uh, a, a view of what is? Because one of the yeah. things, you know, <laughs> social media again, like there's a lot of COVID deniers. Um, there's a lot of oh, people God. who don't think COVID is real. Or there's a lot yeah. of people that, like I said before, I've had it, um, yeah. but not experienced as mm-hmm. much as you might have experienced it or, yeah. or anything like that. So what, what is it? What is long COVID? If, if, it, if So long COVID, it? I think, is... So obviously it's still being discussed and worked on yeah, because there's emerging data and research all the time. But it's 
I think the official definition is if symptoms are ongoing and continue for 12 weeks or more um, and can't be explained by any other like medical diagnosis. And I think within that, there are sort of different subgroups as well. So you might have people like post ITU that were on ITU for a long time, but with that, and I'm just speaking off the top of my head, I might be completely wrong if people disagree, but I think a lot of the post ITU as well is that they will have people with like critical care myopathy and things like that. Mm. And I'm assuming with an added long COVID component. Um, then there's the post viral fatigue. You've got people with like permanent organ damage. And then you just have people with just long-term ongoing COVID symptoms. So basically I think it's just a multi-organ, multi-system disorder that can lead to like a significant disability basically in a in a nutshell, in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things it's a long-going thing because you, you, we can't we don't know the effects of it we can only maybe borrow from other conditions other long-term conditions and how that's affected people exactly but, but with this we can't see 10 mm. years down the line how it's affected no. people because we don't know how it's going to be like so yeah. but yeah I, I, like I said there's a lot of people out there who might not believe that these things are mm-hmm. real and you only get it for five five ten days yeah. and you're absolutely fine uh, but I can, I can just imagine that the damage that even being in hospital with COVID mm-hmm. being on a in a ICU um, yeah. intensive care unit you, you know damage they're doing to your chest and you mm-hmm. some people expect you to recover <laughs> straight away and be back to your baseline yeah. function that's going to take many many mm-hmm. months um if if not it might not ever recover depending on other conditions that the person might be experiencing yeah. it's really difficult but coming back to you um how has long covid all the things that you've just described affected <laughs> your activities of daily living affected your work um your you know your uh, ability to do the things that you want to do i mean quite quite a lot so basically so my main long COVID symptoms were, well, and are, I don't know why I said were, are like the lightheadedness, shortness of breath on exertion, fatigue, brain fog. Those are probably the, I mean, I'm probably forgetting some. Those are the main ones, but I have a long list of weird stuff, but I won't go into that. So activities of daily living wise, I mean, for me, anything that involved being basically standing would exacerbate all of those symptoms so like simple like brush standing brushing my teeth washing my face like my heart would just be you know in the hundreds doing that which is not normal you know having a shower washing hair things like that difficult um getting dressed like and so i think as well working so i'd get dressed obviously in the morning then go to work then get dressed again because you have to change into our uniform i'd be that's like I'm knackered by the time I've even got by the time I've even got to work. Um, things like food shopping and meal prep, like on my worst days, even standing to try and make a cup of tea is really, really difficult and I feel like I'm gonna faint basically because it's prolonged standing. Um, leisure, so like leisure activities for me, like exercising and stuff, I can't do it basically. Um, because I get post-exertional malaise as well and there's a lot of talk on social media about that and that graded exercise therapy you know is not universal it's not a one-size-fits-all for everyone with long covid and it might actually do more harm than good and those are things that we've learned from other people living with chronic illnesses like ME and chronic fatigue syndrome who have been you know I've learned a lot from them because they don't want everyone with long COVID to go through what they've been going through for you know for years 
so yeah so reading and things I, I can't do it I haven't really read much like a book in ages because I find it really hard to pay attention to it basically was it, was it one of the things that you enjoyed doing yeah previously yeah 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 reading and things like that and I sort of have to just watch things that are like watch things that are easy to watch and not that complicated yeah, yeah, yeah. um so you can't watch like, so you can't watch line of duty then because well a... <laughs> i did try to watch line of duty but to be honest i mean i probably got lost in line of duty a bit before anyway so i probably can't blame um long covid for that um, um, coming back to you like I, I was, I went, like i'm really interested and fascinated about how this is affecting you now um okay. and how it might be affecting people now so think i'm trying to go through your day <laughs> so, yeah. you, so you, you go to sleep you wake up in the morning and you mm. know obviously you got to go to work so thinking you just said like getting up and brushing your teeth mm-hmm. that's that's going to be hard you're already yeah. tired from that mm-hmm. um then getting yourself prepared getting dressed that's another effort yeah. and and then maybe having breakfast before you go to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you catch public transport. Or... So I've been driving to work. Okay, so dri- driving is, is very difficult yeah. <laughs> in any, in any yeah. situation. Luckily, it's only a short drive, but yeah. Uh, um, so you got all these things before even, whatever time you start, let's say 8 o'clock you start. Yeah. You've got all these things between 6, let's say, and 8. Yeah. That is very, very, very difficult. Intense. Yeah. quite intense um, level mm-hmm. which a lot of people in general mm-hmm. we take for granted because it's not having an impact that we just yeah. do we're in automatic state we just do mm-hmm. and then you actually go into work yeah. <laughs> and then you have so, to do your work for 10 hours or whatever however long mm-hmm. you work very very difficult mm-hmm. when you're and so i say work has been massively affected as well because as well in neuro rehab it's quite a physical job um and yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But then even so, then sometimes I'm like, oh, if I I try and break, try and pace my day, um, you know, put some non-clinical, put some admin in there. But then I find the admin difficult because by that time I'm so tired that like, I find it quite hard to actually concentrate and do my reports and things like that. I quite often have to just go, especially if if there are other people in the office and yeah. things like that. I have to go somewhere quiet where there isn't anybody where I'm not going to be like distracted because I just can't like deal with it mm, mm. <laughs> um, and you get yeah. all this all those like the sensory system stuff yeah, picking up picking up all the things that you never used to pick up before or yeah. or not picking up the things that you always yeah. pick before and you're saying about like writing reports and reading pe- mm. people other people's reports mm-hmm. because and if, if you can't read or read yeah. and understand it yeah fully to you sort of have to rereading it over and over yeah. again so that it goes in or even things like if i'm on the phone and then say if other people come in the office and then they're talking, I find it really hard to then, to, to I guess like sustain my attention on that, on the phone call and not like be distracted by what they're talking about. Like, like that filter and that blocking out, I, you know, has gone for me really. <laughs> So how have you done that? So you've you've got to work, <laughs> you got to work, and then you're, you're, you're I know you've, you said you've had a phased return, yeah. But and you're doing some clinical work and you're interacting uh-huh. with people. How mm-hmm. do you manage that? Because like like I said, it's quite a physical job. It's quite. Uh, how have I managed it? Yeah. How have you managed? How have you how have you placed <laughs> yourself <laughs> um, uh, doing with that? Great difficulty, I think. So I think the good thing about so obviously it's neuro rehab, so it's not it's not acute acute because they're there for a long time so we tend to plan our days the day before so we have a board and then we go through our day so I try where possible but again it's a lot easier said than done because it depends on staffing 
and things like that which now we've got you know we've been working weekends and stuff as well so sometimes then that means there aren't as many people in, in a week um anyway that's a whole other thing but um <laughs> um so yeah, like trying to see patients like with an assistant or something and trying to get them to maybe to do the more physical aspect but then also that's really hard because in neuro rehab like you have to sort of have a feel and like you know feel the tone feel feel how it's moving that's what and, i was doing that. still learning yeah, that's so, what i was like, doing that because yeah. you're down you're 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 hold people you know you mm-hmm. you're, you're right next to them and, and yeah. people are not light people, no they're heavy l- limbs are not light <laughs> no, heavy dense arms yeah yeah. Oh, yeah yeah it's it's tiring it is really tiring i would say and yeah to be honest i'm really bad at it so <laughs> <laughs> being your um, own OT again right it's like yeah. <laughs> let me take my advice let me just yeah. do one and then rest yeah. and then do one again I and think then that's it it's just like breaking it up and if like trying to have if I have like a heavy physical patient then maybe trying to see someone that's probably maybe a bit more physically able but has more cognitive difficulties but then sometimes I also find that hard because because of my cognitive difficulties. So it's it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. But um, that's why I'm just having a serious think about whether I just reduce my hours. Because even though I have I have been doing the phased return, it probably hasn't really helped much regarding the fatigue and things like that. Some elements of my symptoms have got better, but that's because I've been given like medications and stuff which have helped. Um, but if I just need to, re- you know, all I'm thinking now, if I need to reduce my hours now, if that's going to then help me get a bit better later on, mm. then it's probably worth doing. But it's just very hard for me to accept that. I, 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 I think, again, going back to you doing a, a job that you really wanted to do and all of a sudden you, you can't do it as well mm-hmm. as you want to do. And you, it, 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 it would feel like taking a few steps backwards, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's, you know, it's just not your fault. It's just yeah. your, bo- your body's telling you, yeah, yeah. Your, your body's telling you to basically slow down, mm-hmm. uh, but it's very difficult to accept for anyone. Uh, you know, it's like my, my, the only way I could relate to that is maybe what I like fitness and I like mm-hmm. exercise and and if I was to ever get injured or I've experienced yeah. an injury and I just can't do the things that mm-hmm. I want to do I'm like oh that's I feel yeah. I feel lethargic you know I just want to yeah. say that you probably it actually affects your mental the opposite way exactly. because it makes you just feel so moody and mm-hmm. not, not up for anything so yeah I, and you know work is very important in when we yeah. talk about routine work is very important to us mm. because it gives us all these different um, feelings and you know yeah. friendships you know mm-hmm. <laughs> gives yeah. us purpose meaning all these things so even if you can't do it as well as you want to do it yeah um, then how again do you fill up that extra time and it's it it with great difficulty kudos to you I know it's, it's, it, that even <laughs> do you, you're even still going into work and stuff yeah. I, know it's, I know it's very very difficult thank you for all the work that you guys oh. are doing especially in, in in like acute settings or even now you're in the mm-hmm. in, 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 in rehab as well Um. so with your with the experience that you've had <laughs> Mm-hmm. the extensive experience that you've had and we can come back to how how it still continues to affect you mm-hmm. in certain ways as an ot how best can ot support those experiencing long covid if they come mm-hmm. across them in any different setting yeah well i would, i think it's going to be huge i mean it is and i think it will be just a huge huge problem and ot's are definitely going to come across people with long covid probably because ot's are everywhere um like they're going to I think listen is really important and like listening to people with lived experiences and stuff like that because there is nothing else to go on at the moment and I think some of the things with long Covid sound so 
weird and like oh and, and it's sort of invisible as well like, I look fine I look like there's absolutely nothing wrong with me which I think is but I think again and you can apply that to lots of other conditions too yeah, like lots yeah. of conditions are like invisible but I think listening educating like on what long COVID is how it affects people and things to be careful of so like the exercise and things like that and just I think another thing that I've learned as well is saying to people, oh, you know, but you're a bit better, you can do that, um, which OTs do all the time, which obviously I know is really, really important. And I'm, I'm guilty of it, I do it all the time. And it's like, but that, you know, okay, so I can, I can walk around the block and I can feel okay, but like I used to walk miles and not think anything of it. Like, so, you know, and which is a huge adjustment again to accept like even though okay I can do a little bit of what I used to like it's still not mm. what it was and how hard that is to deal with I think for OTs as well the difficulties of pacing that should have been my main thing yes <laughs> that is actually really 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 hard it's so hard and I think I've been really naive about that about how difficult it is yeah because I think OTs are just going to be involved in all aspects so that like, you've got the rehab side energy conservation fatigue management even pain management like some people with long covid have like terrible pain things like that vocational rehab trying to help people get back to work i think is going to be absolutely massive because i don't think i know anybody that has truly mastered that yet and cognition so like quite a lot of people have brain fog things like that some people might have cognitive impairment from other things that covid might have caused but obviously it increases the risk of a stroke things like that but even just providing education about strategies that people can use in their day-to-day i guess on that side of things and even thinking about it ot's in schools because there's quite a lot at the moment about how long covid is affecting children as well so it's something that all ot's need to be aware of and the mental health aspect so helping people to accept i suppose and helping people to engage in like meaningful occupations like true true ot there but um (laughs) like i guess like yeah trying to help them adapt what they used to enjoy so they can re-engage in that so i think ot ot's are going to be involved in it everywhere really and we need to raise the flag a bit i suppose yeah um, ot's i I know the rcot have done a lot of work in Mm. um like trying to push the agenda for occupational therapy to be involved in uh-huh. the, re- the, re- the rehab agenda yeah. in, in relation to um, the long COVID. So that's a, that's a very important point, especially if you mm-hmm. work in areas who are going to have a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, in, in rehab, basically rehab settings, yeah. um, because people that are leaving hospital, especially mm-hmm. some of the experience, some of the really severe symptoms of mm-hmm. um, COVID are not going to be returning home no. straight away. Uh, so no. those people working, they're very, very important. I never realised that there was a long covid yeah. in children is this yeah. that's that, that's this is the first time i'm hearing of it i didn't, yeah, I didn't no, realize there's, there's quite a lot about it now which is awful really mm. is it similar symptoms to i think so adult, yeah. yeah like fatigue it's yeah similar mm. similar mm. um and obviously now with all the schools going back as well you know it's quite yeah <laughs> it's overwhelming Very. for the children because i suppose long covid and this is what um you've probably seen it on social media there's always been with the data that you know we get you hear about the number of cases and you hear about the deaths so it's sort of assumed that everyone else recovers but that just isn't isn't true like long covid is never ever counted in any of the figures or anything so i don't think anyone truly knows what 
the real figures are of people no, long COVID, I suppose. You know, like I, I had COVID. Mm. I had COVID in February time, and again, I was fortunate. I didn't have it. I didn't have it as severe as other mm. people have had it. Uh, but I know, I know myself what I was like before, and I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not claiming to have <laughs> be experiencing long COVID at all. I, I don't think, definitely not as much as you've experienced mm. it. Um, but I know for sure that I get definitely get tired quicker than I used to get mm-hmm. tired from from doing nothing <laughs> from, yeah. doing, from what I feel like doing nothing and I, I feel like when even when I'm at work and I'm trying to I'm trying to do work I probably get distracted quite quickly or my attention is uh, my attention span is not as good as it was before and I don't know if it's it's COVID related or just yeah. because because I'm just busy at work or I'm exactly. putting more pressure where it is so I can imagine how difficult it is then to be experiencing these things on a regular basis mm. and not knowing where it is uh, <laughs> and, and trying to have that battle in your mind yeah. um, and trying to impress other people especially with your new job mm-hmm. trying to impress your team <laughs> exactly. yeah yeah it's that added pressure but my advice to you so it was only February that you had yeah it. I only had it in February but I, my would be to li- listen to the things that your body is telling you because I just didn't I did not listen I completely ignored it um went into denial about it so and I think the more the more that you do now and the more you rest and things you do know how hopefully that will then help um there was I think some data that came out yesterday that those that had like truly rested at the beginning didn't like the symptoms then didn't go on for so long for longer so yeah, to be careful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's your hope. Rest, rest. Rest yeah. is um yeah, rest is a difficult thing for mm. everybody. I think. Yes. Because from my experience as an occupational therapist, when I when we talk about routine, you know, mm-hmm. I probably don't. I can't recall being a student and also being qualified having talked to someone about incorporating rest into their exactly. day because it doesn't sometimes it doesn't unless you're experiencing fatigue and yeah. uh, you know if you've got a, a, maybe a, a chronic illness that mm-hmm. rest is very very important in that but in general when I'm talking to people we, we I focus mm-hmm. on if, okay if I come back to myself I find my leisure as a, as a rest period mm-hmm. uh, personally but mm-hmm. I, I know that it's, sometimes it's truly not because <laughs> leisure can be stressful and tiring yeah. and everything like that whereas, exactly. yeah, whereas actually when you when someone says rest I always my mind goes back to bed rest or mm. exactly and yeah. I can't I personally I can't accept that <laughs> I can't right. lay in bed exactly. and do nothing but yeah I, I can imagine how rest is very very important because it mm. actually lets your body uh, you know recover itself from all the damage that COVID might have done internally because we can't see inside our body can mm. we we, can't, we don't know what's going on no, I um, wish I could, <laughs> could. I think that's been um a really big thing so I'm glad you mentioned it because I would have forgotten I've had to look at rest completely differently because there's rest but then when you think about so to rest before I would count like reading as rest or I don't know I'm trying to think of something else let's just go with reading or or like um like a crafty thing like I used to do like cross stitch and things like that but that you have to pay so much attention to that that it's not actually rest for both of for both of those things yeah you're like sitting down and you're not physically doing much but cognitively it's a hugely like demanding task so you need to really think about you know also the different types of fatigue so you've got physical fatigue emotional fatigue and yeah cognitive fatigue so rest is really just trying to do nothing which again I found really really hard so I sort of just have to watch something really trashy on tv that you don't really have to think about it's just there but then I've also been using like the Headspace app and things like that just to take 
try and just take time out um so it's like viewing rest as an activity but i think rest sort of has this i was gonna say like stigma attached to it doesn't it like you're saying like to just sit there and not do anything like that just seems Wait, <laughs> what are you doing? You're wasting your time. But... 100%. 100%. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, I'd, I'd think I'd find it very, very difficult to sit and mm-hmm. do nothing. And it is really difficult. And it's really difficult. And, I, and when you talked about even sitting, watching um, like trashy TV, <laughs> it's true. You, you, you can't watch anything else. If you're trying yeah. to truly rest, mm-hmm. you can't watch things yeah. that are going to be cognitively mm-hmm. demanding you, mm-hmm. to understand or like even listen to a podcast yeah. <laughs> to learn something. It's, yeah. it's, your mind is still going mm-hmm. when you're not truly resting or maybe, I don't know, um, going for a run, going for a walk. Yeah. Obviously, that's like a physical a exertion. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but some people find that as rest, right? Mm-hmm. People exactly. find that as, you know, chilling that's out. That's their time out, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, it's very difficult. So I, I think maybe, maybe I, I, can, I can do a podcast in the future purely dedicated to um, the impact of uh, or, or the realisation that we actually need to talk a lot more about rest and yeah. literally and doing nothing. Yeah, I think especially like pre-COVID, sort of the more busy you were as a person, like the busier you were, the more stuff you're doing, the more burnt out you were. It was sort of like a, a badge of honour type thing, wasn't yes, it? Like, yes. oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm staying late at work, I'm going in early at work, I'm seeing all of my friends, I'm doing this. Oh, I'm never at home, you know. And it was just actually, that's probably not very good for you when you think about it. Like, it's great that you're doing well at all of these things, but everyone needs time for themselves yeah. too, I suppose. And then when you add on the impact of COVID mm-hmm. on, your, on your body, yeah. then it becomes even more um, mm-hmm. important. Uh, it's a very, very uh, a good concept that we have, yeah. all of us like, as occupational officers have to think about. Like, if people were like, oh, what are you doing at the weekend? If you didn't, like, if oh, I'm not doing anything, like, and people are like, why aren't, why? Why aren't you doing anything? Um, so it's always just got this like negative connotation to it, I suppose. It's really sweet. I was talking to my partner about this, and I was telling her because when she's like by herself, let's say, hmm. and, and and I would tell her just like chill out, sit down, and do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the first one. I'm the first yeah. one to give fantastic. I'm the perfect OT when it comes to that. <laughs> I give the perfect. Just sit down, you know. Just relax. Don't do anything. Just just sit down. Don't even tidy the house. Yeah. But yeah, when it's my turn, <laughs> I'm like, no, no. I need to yeah. run. I need to do this. I need to finish it's this hard. off. Yeah, no, you're it's absolutely hard. right. All right, cool. Well, so <laughs> coming back full circle. Mm-hmm. All your difficult experiences with COVID. Um, I know you said you didn't want to go to some of the uh, weirdest mm. things that have happened, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what I do. So what's the weirdest? <laughs> what some of the weirdest um, uh, symptoms or experiences that you've had with this low? Or has there been any that like, you think, wow, that's a bit strange? Oh, the weirdest one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, had a really twitchy eye for like weeks, like every day for like weeks. Uh, pins and needles, which I still get quite a lot like my hands and things especially at night and not like you know like every once in a while if you sleep funny on your hand but it used to be like every once in a while but now it's probably like every night I wake up with like a bit of a dead hand there must be other weird ones oh my taste and smell I forgot that yeah so I lost my sense of taste and smell but that's still not a hundred percent like it came back for a bit then it goes but then I don't think my taste is as good as it used to be mm. and more recently which I find really everyone laughs but I find it really disturbing I've completely gone off tea and chocolate which wow. which anyone that knows me is just they're like my two favorite things and have Gee. been like my life so the fact that I don't really like them anymore or don't ever fancy it is just that doesn't make any sense to me wow. 
like tingles in my face, I suppose. But I guess just the lightheadedness and the heart racing. I mean, that was pretty weird, I suppose. Mm. So they, I'm on beta blockers now okay, okay. for that because what they found was basically as soon as I stand up, my heart rate goes up and it just keeps going up and up and up the longer I stand. And then that's why, that's why I was getting the spikes in blood pressure because then everything's sort of just trying to fight and compensate to keep me standing up and not fainting basically. Mm. Um, so it's a bit like POTS, which I think a lot of people are being diagnosed with now. So it's all part of like the autonomic nervous system. And that's really scary. Like that. It's really scary when you're experiencing it yourself. When you yeah, and I think that's also, just being a patient is scary. Like, I've never been a patient before. Mm. And I think that was another huge thing. And I think because I was going, I was referred to a hospital that I used to work in, where oh, wow. I found OT, actually. Oh, wow. um, you know, I've worked there for years. And going back there as a patient is, yeah, scary. I mean, it's partly because it's a specialist. It's a tertiary centre as well. So I think that had the added. And also, like, you know, when you know too much, like, I know all the weird things that people can have. Like, I don't, like, what if that's me? Like, what's going to stop it being me if it happens to other people? But it's fine. It's been okay. But in, oh. I, I didn't have that added stress of going to a hospital and like, oh, I don't know where to park and I don't know where everything is. I knew where everything is, but I still found it really stressful and tiring. Of course. How is, um, how is the beta blockers, how, the, the mm. medication, how have they helped you now yeah. manage the symptoms? So when I first took them, it took a while for them to kick in, but they told me that it would. So yeah, they have helped. I'm not lightheaded anymore, which is absolutely amazing. And my heart isn't racing, which is good. It's quite it's quite slow now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's helped with that. So it's helped with the lightheadedness, which I would say was probably my most debilitating thing because it was just horrible to feel like that all the time. Mm. And then I'm also on an inhaler as well for my breathlessness, which has helped. But then like things like fatigue and things like that, are all still there and then I've got a lot of like gastro things as well that the GP is looking into you so know, I, I had um, some gastro, gastro problems it's weird I, I had like that was part of my symptoms of, of, of yeah. COVID I don't have it anymore but that, I found that the most strangest thing because mm -hmm. you've got a headache and you've got a, a bit of temperature yeah. and then all of a sudden <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> something yeah. happening inside you it's just very very strange because I'm again I've never really had any sort of um, infections or vir virus mm. and things like that so when it, it sort of beats you up a little bit right and yeah. I just I just cannot imagine when it's continuous mm. <laughs> how the impact then it can it can just have when you go, going forward so oh mate that's that's just <laughs> it's really I find I just find it um, fascinating really same I, mean, really I think that's it although like obviously I hate it but it's it's really interesting <laughs> I think <laughs> I just wish I understood it and I wish I just knew what was like what is it doing like what's ha what's happening in there like I wish I just knew it. But... Think, fingers crossed with more research and more yeah. people. Um, actually, one thing I wanted to ask you about is about finding this community online mm. about people that are experiencing the same because it's not mm -hmm. it's not a hotly talked about topic, is mm -hmm. it? Apart, unless you're on social media and you and you're yeah. looking for it, um, <laughs> but it's not something that I've, maybe I've I've seen on the news a, a few times. But yeah. you know, the new uh, media have got their own sort of agendas anyway. But yeah, is there is there like a, a big community of you found yeah. of occupational therapists that are very interested in this area mm -hmm. or, or experiencing some things to you so yeah I would have been so peer support has just been invaluable because it's just nice to know that you're not alone it's nice to speak to people that like get it so there is on on Facebook and Twitter 
there's long COVID OT, um, so that's for OTs that are experiencing long COVID and, you know, we can share experiences, give advice and things like that. And then there is also um, long COVID physio and I don't yeah. mean to, you know, they've been very kind and accepted me as an OT into their group, but they were the first group that I found, but they have actually done lots and lots of um, work and other AHPs and everything are, you know, they will, can join the group is what I'm trying to say. Um, but they've also made a website um, called longcovid.physio, which is really, really, I would highly recommend everyone having a look at that because it's just got lots of resources on there about absolutely everything to do with long COVID. Um, and it's got the podcasts and blogs on there as well. And it's usually people that are experiencing long COVID, but it's also researchers and things like that. It's, I highly recommend it. And both, you know, the long COVID OT, long COVID physio, yeah I would have been lost without them really because yeah it's just nice to know that you're not alone I guess mm, mm, mm. all right I'll, I'll put those links in in the in the show notes so Perfect. people can access it because I think if you're interested in it or just want to mm. have a read about it yeah I think, I think it's really good um because this you know COVID is not going to go away no know, straight away so it's always going to be exactly. and we, we just hope that we don't have another spike oh, no. <laughs> I know. that's going to be tricky for everybody yeah. to go through uh, so with, with your experiences and everything that you've gone through what has it taught you as a person and was it like a life lesson and also oh. what ex- what advice would you give to other people that may think that they're experiencing it but not really experiencing it. I'm not sure like what, what people are going mm-hmm. through and it's a big life. question sorry yeah. I asked you a big question <laughs> what life, what's your life experience yeah yeah so I, I guess I mean it's lots of different things my first thing would be I guess it's the whole practice what you preach thing because evidently I'm not very good at it but I think it is, and just think, taking yourself out of it and just thinking if it was a friend coming to you saying these things, what or a patient, what, what would you tell them to do? And then why aren't you doing it yourself? I guess the other bits, you know, pacing is hard. It's okay to rest. <laughs> yeah. It's like rest is okay. Like you don't have to be doing everything. And I guess just how, I'm, I guess as, a, like, as an OT into practice, it would be the aspects of pacing adjusting to limitations and accepting like a new a new baseline I suppose which I guess we talk about all the time and maybe I mean obviously we all listen to our patients and everything but I guess also validating their experiences and sort of just if someone is even and this can apply to patients or even like friends or family if someone's coming to you just saying oh you know what I'm fed up with this this is rubbish blah, blah instead of just being like oh um you know instead of trying to give advice like just saying yeah okay actually that that's rubbish like I'm sorry you're going through that that is actually really horrible you know like like finding the right time of when you know some yeah. people just sometimes don't don't want like I've been told you know oh maybe you should just go for a run and you know it's like how can I possibly go for a run when like I feel dizzy making a cup of tea like yeah. I can't yeah. I can't go for a run you know so it's just just being a bit more mindful maybe of what other people are experiencing I suppose Mm, mm. and validating that and I think even with patients even if you do listen to them and of course are validating their experience but making it really obvious that you are Mm. because I think validation has just been a huge thing for me Mm. and having medical professionals sort of saying like oh you know it's not in your head like look at this like this is happening and it's just like oh wow and maybe that's it as well like showing patients I guess like outcome measures and things like that just having some evidence I guess like this is this is what's happening 
and this is you know this explains this it makes it harder to sorry it makes it easier to accept I suppose yeah no you're absolutely right I think I think it's yeah I think you're right on that point showing people mm. so they can see yeah. it validating people's feelings yeah. which, which we should all be doing we should right? all be doing but... <laughs> doing but also what you said about avoiding the parenting um uh, right so like it's, it's, yeah. it's in us as soon as someone's because we so we just want to help you know yeah I, yeah I said, and it's I, really hard it's really hard to stop yourself to yeah. say oh well maybe you should try this well no yeah. it's like, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's let's concentrate on how you're feeling now yeah. and and rather than trying to give advice about what mm. can be potentially helpful or not mm-hmm. thank you so so much um for your taking the time to come on the podcast <laughs> I, I found it really interesting to listen oh, to your you. to your experiences and i just hope that you can um hopefully you can get better yeah, um, soon with all the things that you're trying to put in mm-hmm. place and yeah and i just hope that you can get back to doing your your new rehab yeah, <laughs> job hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> with as much energy as you can yeah. um, going forward so thank you very much thank you for having me thank you thank you so much again helen for coming on and sharing your experiences of long covid with me it really must be difficult trying to do the things that you want and need to do whilst experiencing some of these symptoms if you are listening and are experiencing some of the symptoms described by helen please contact your gp for further assistance guys please if you are listening on apple podcast let me know what you think by writing a review and rating the show also i love hearing your feedback about how i'm doing on the show so get in touch via twitter or instagram or dropping me an email at otandchill at gmail.com till next time guys stay safe